Page 13. It was a still bright evening when I realized I was lost and empty-handed in an unknown forest. I was on my first search for Matsutake and Matsutake pickers in Oregon's Cascade Mountains. Earlier that afternoon, I had found the Forest Service's big camp for mushroom pickers, but all the pickers were out foraging. I had decided to look for mushrooms myself while I waited for their return. I couldn't have imagined a more unpromising looking forest. The ground was dry and rocky, and nothing grew except thin sticks of lodgepole pine. There were hardly any plants growing near the ground, not even grass, and when I touched the soil, sharp pumice shards cut my fingers. As the afternoon wore on, I found one or two copper tops, dingy mushrooms with a splash of orange and a mealy smell. Nothing else. Worse yet, I was disoriented. Every way I turned, the forest looked the same. I had no idea which direction to go to find my car. Thinking I would be out there just briefly, I had got nothing, and I knew I would soon be thirsty, hungry, and cold. I stumbled around and eventually found a dirt road. But which way should I go? The sun was getting lower as I trudged along. I had walked less than a mile when a pickup truck drew up. A bright-faced young man and a wizened old man were inside and they offered me a ride. The young man introduced himself as Cal. Like his uncle, he said, who was a man from the hills of Laos, who had come to the United States from a refugee camp in Thailand in the 1980s. They were neighbors in Sacramento, California, and here to pick mushrooms together. They brought me to their camp. The young man went to get water, driving his plastic jugs to a water storage container some ways away. The older man did not know English, but it turned out he knew a little Mandarin Chinese, as did I. As we awkwardly exchanged phrases, he pulled out a smoking bong handcrafted from PVC pipe and lit up his tobacco. It was dusk when Kao came back with the water. But he beckoned me to go picking with him. There were mushrooms nearby. In the gathering dark, we scrambled up a rocky hillside not far from his camp. I saw nothing but dirt and some scrawny pine trees. But here was Kao with his bucket and stick, poking deep into clearly empty ground and pulling up a fat bottom. How could this be possible? There had been nothing there, and then there it was. Chapter 3 Encounters and the arts of noticing. The Mushroom at the End of the World is an ethnography written by the feminist anthropologist Anit Singh. She followed the mushrooms and the rich assemblage of many species around them in many countries for more than a decade. 
but she was not the only one moving. She was able to follow the mushrooms themselves in movement. She was able to follow their optimness, from the aroma seducing mush hunters in Oregon to the aroma composing a gift in Japan. She heard herself the mutual seduction in place when you're following Matsutaki. As she puts herself, and here I quote, This book tells me of my travels with mushrooms to explore indeterminacy and the conditions of precarity, that is, life without the promise of stability. My intention here is not by any means an attempt to make a reveal or an abstract on Anat Singh's book or other works. My job here is to collect some of the stories that she told and retell them with the details that highlighted the themes of my research in this podcast. The book is an incredibly rich material to discuss science, social theory, and the ways we think about the environment in a way that it would probably deserve a podcast itself. Among other things, to sing is an amazing storyteller and through her work, we got to know the life around Matsutaki and their companions. Retelling stories is like a spreading spores, an open call for making kim. Some books are like the bags Ursula K. Le Guin once described. Story bearers. That is the case with the Sings book. It is forged in encounters like the one she described in the beginning of this chapter. Encounters allow contamination. And as I learned with Hannah Singh, contamination is collaboration. Even if not the kind of collaboration we were expecting. The Mushroom at the End of the World is planned to be the first of a series of books about Matsutaki, written by various authors from different fields. The bag of stories collected by the scene came to be as the result of the work of the Matsutaki World Research Group. The group is also responsible for a rich material published on the website matsutakiworlds.org, where you can find interviews and video. This episode, then, is itself a bag of stories. I am here telling stories that emerged in an unexpected encounter with a book. I like to tell you now the story of this encounter. In the first year of my PhD, 2017, I was working with the idea of terra, the Latin word that bears at once many Anglophone words. Terra can mean earth, dirt, soil, property, ground, underground, land, and many more words. Like the idea of hummus, for instance, as narrated by Donna Haraway. Hummus is about the never-ending transformation of life in the soil. So, Terra is not only about a bunch of different species entangled, but a bunch of forms of life, organic and non-organic, affecting one another profoundly. Symbiosis. Haraway says we are not human, not post-human, we're hummus. Terra, then, 
is a term for movement, for constant change, for transformation, for ongoingness. It is made of relations, not individuals or fantasies. It is a word that allows us to link the soil with the planet. Terra is Gaia and Medusa embrace it together. And with Terra, we can understand better how the destruction of the soils are closely related to the climate changes. As many forest peoples have been telling the white folk for quite some time. It was affected by this context that I started studying about fungal mycelia. I was amazed by how this biological structure was a very concrete way of seeing the ideas of Hamas and Terra. And so, I started to study fungi in general, but mushrooms more closely. I was amazed by the presence of fungi on my surroundings that I have never noticed. I started growing my own mycelial cords and walking around noticing the ground and the tree trunks more attentively in search of unexpected mushrooms. That is why I got interested in reading Anatta Singh's book at first. It was rewarding finding out that a renowned anthropologist was interested in the biology of the fungi. If I was feeling a bit out of place, as an anthropologist interested in mycelial networks, her book made it feel right. As the months went by, I started clipping information on mushrooms and I was quite surprised by the end of 2017 when a lab co-worker and a friend of mine told me about Star Trek Discovery. Man, I see you getting nuts with mushrooms and stuff. Have you watched Star Trek Discovery? They have like a whole plot built on spores and everything. Indeed they had. They even had an important character which holds the occupation, astromycologist. The idea is a very interesting speculation. Post Demets, the fictional one, is working on a sort of biological GPS based on the common sentience of mycelial spores. Just like mycelia make it possible that every part of the colony is aware of the surroundings, the ship discovery could use this ability to make jumps to very distant places. The key is the relation between tardigrades and a particular species of fungi. It is more complex than that, you should watch it on Netflix. But back to my story. I was reading the Singh's book and watching the first episodes of Star Trek Discovery when a project idea came to be, connecting many different materials somewhat related to fungi. I was led to a project that would change my research heavily. In the following years of 2018 and 19, I got together with my colleagues from the group LabFIC, which stands for Laboratory on Fiction, Science and Culture, to start the project called Thinking with Fungi. Throughout one and a half year, we would meet every two weeks to make a series of activities that included discussing books, articles, poems, and works of fiction somewhat related with mycology, like the first season of Star Trek Discovery, the popular science book Mycelium Running by Paul Stamets, and Mushrooms, a Natural and Cultural History by Nick Money. Besides getting in touch with this material, we organized a workshop where we taught and learned about the possibilities of art made with spore prints. This project was actually part of my PhD research, 
and it was meant to think with fungi and their mycelial stories through many different approaches that included art, fiction, natural and social sciences. In the end, we tried to entangle the project activities in a special number of the Brazilian climate change journal, Climacom. We from LabEffect added an issue called Mycelial Fabulations, which is available for free online if someone is interested in checking it out. It was the great work made in this project that made me pursue a scholarship to go to Miami University as a visiting scholar and the opportunity of working with Dr. Nick Money. But coming back to Anat Singh's book, I think it's fair to say that the main reading in the project was the mushroom at the end of the world. It had and has had until today a great impact on our researches. Singh's work is part of a huge effort to make transdisciplinary science. It was the unexpected encounter with her book that motivated me to create an interdisciplinary project to think with fungi. It is quite common when it comes to anthropology research that we end up studying something that we did not plan at first. Sometimes things just happen in front of our eyes and we cannot see them. Like the story to sing tell about the first time she encountered a Matsutake mushroom. When we promote encounters, the results can be very surprising. In my opinion, that is how anthropology works. We go out to find out the transformations and movements that we might be missing. Anthropology is the science of encounters, or, using the sing's words, the arts of noticing. Our unity of analysis is the relation, and researchers like Kenneth Singh have been showing that this can be relations of all kinds, involving human and more than human activities and transformations. Although the book holds together many intertwined stories, there are two larger stories which I chose to lead the narrative of this episode. I am referring to the story of Matsutake in south-central Japan and the story of Matsutake in Oregon. The encounter between these two stories creates a new one, one that covers the journey that transforms a mushroom from a simple forest product into a rare gift, after a cultural and natural trip across the Pacific Ocean. In order to understand how Matsutake weirdly united Oregon and Japan, we must follow stories of human disturbance. As the Singh has shown beautifully in her book, a forest is always in the making, and its ongoingness is made of local management, law and bureaucracy, but also by the exploration and transformations of forests for profit and accumulation. If these stories are indeed about human disturbance, what are we calling disturbances? Page 160. 
Disturbance is a change in environmental conditions that causes a pronounced change in an ecosystem. Floods and fires are forms of disturbance. Humans and other living things can also cause disturbance. Disturbance can renew ecologies as well as destroy them. Disturbance can renew ecologies as well as destroy them. In the next chapter, I'll tell my own version of how Matsutake and human disturbance are connected, and how Matsutake connected Japan and Oregon in a very unusual way. All I have told you guys so far comes to this, so I still hope I'll see you in the next chapter. Until then, as always, may the spores be with you.